Welcome, everyone, to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type, and then we report back the results to each other and you fine listeners as well. My name is Aaron Spears. And I'm Mike Went. And with this month uh, of June being Pride Month, we are doing Queer Coming of Age. Indeed. I feel like we need to get specific because last year we did um, the new queer cinema uh, yeah. in June. And that seemed to be a very well liked and listened to episode uh, based on the stats. <laughs> thought, oh, it's really nice. We can get like really in the weeds with like film geek shit. And uh, <laughs> yeah, may as well just jump in. And for regular listeners, like you, I think you've sung the praises of coming of age films a few different times with other topics. So Aaron, that is it's my bread and butter. I <laughs> love coming of age movies for whatever reason. I don't know. Always has been my, my favorite genre of film for some reason. Huh? So even like, as you've grown up in age, it's still like, that's a constant. Yeah. I, cause I, I think there's always, uh, those are always ripe for, for different, uh, interpretations. And then, you know, especially with, you know, when we're talking with like, you know, LGBTQ, you know, this, I think it allows for new voices and, you know, different perspectives that then we sure. don't usually get, you know, cause like, I think a lot, you know, you and I both grew up during the eighties and mm. I, you know, I can't, I mean, I was trying to like, see if there was, was there an eighties, you know, comedy, like, gay comedy that you know (laughs) you know like coming of age kind of thing and it it was hard i mean it was hard to really pin down but i mean i'm sure there there is out there i just didn't really you know time is always my my least favorite friend at you know (laughs) to to look for more things but uh but but no i i I think uh there's something about that genre that i don't know it's it maybe makes me feel nostalgic i i don't know but uh it's just always those kind of things that i like that's interesting yeah so i it's it's a genre i'm interested in it's it's uh you're you're a much bigger fan than i am of the genre (laughs) i'm at a point where like as a kid and as a i'll say teenager up to probably even like early 20s going through college it was a genre i liked a lot and i watched a lot more of and then i feel like maybe once i was quote unquote an adult like those are like, oh, those are kid movies. And I still watch them because like the local film yeah. festival that we go to, the Cleveland International Film Festival, it's almost like an unofficial genre they represent very well every yeah. year. Yeah. Um, it's not overtly stated in their programming guide, but I'm all, I always see at least one, usually more coming of age movies at the festival each year. But it wasn't a genre I really kind of sought out. And I, I started thinking about it more as I've aged. And I was like, oh, no, you know, once my, once my kids are born and now they're both officially teenagers, I got a 15 to 13 year old. I have been seeing a bit more of them on purpose the last like five, six, seven years. Yeah. Uh, a few favorites that I was showing to them that were, you know, age appropriate or whatever. And I was trying to get my son who's 15 to watch uh, a couple of these with me. Uh, Cause I wanted to see like, it's, it's, it, it's potentially aimed more at you because the characters are about your age. Right. So I want to know, is the magic going to work there? But you know, he's 15 and he has his own mind. He doesn't just watch whatever I tell him to watch anymore. So that didn't quite work out, but yeah, that was sort of my approach coming into it. And then also, as I stated on the last episode, I was specifically for my main pick. I wanted something that was not a United States film. I wanted a foreign language to me, you know, a world cinema sample to see, yeah. you know, what what that particular culture is doing with a genre. And uh, I found a really fascinating one, uh, which obviously we'll get to in a minute. But awesome. there, there's something to it. Maybe the 
awkwardness of discovering who you are, especially if there's like a sexual component to it. Like not every coming of age movie is about like the sexuality of the character, but oftentimes it is that maybe I just didn't want the cringe factor, <laughs> I guess, in my, when I was in my like late 20s and 30s, or maybe it was a little too close to home. I didn't want to I didn't want some of those memories coming back or something. I don't know. No, 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 that, that makes sense. <laughs> no, I, I think, um, you know, kind of going off what, what you were saying, like with the film festival, it's like a lot of times these newer filmmakers that, that we discover, mm-hmm. um, every, it, it almost seems it, not every filmmaker, but it almost seems like almost every filmmaker's first major feature is some somewhat of a coming of age movie just because that's like them getting their, their feet wet, uh, you know, and then probably after doing their, their passion piece from the heart, that's when they get offered a Marvel movie or a Transformers (laughs) movie or something. Uh, and I'm not specifically saying that because Steve Capel Jr. did like this coming of age movie about growing up in Cleveland called the land. And now he's a Transformers director, but right. uh, (laughs) Right, right, But, uh, but, but, you know, that, that's just, you know, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since it's a genre, like any other genre, there are certain tropes yeah, that you're going to get through. So I was kind of making some notes as I was thinking about ones that I've seen in the past that are favorites. And then also some of like my honorable mentions. Then when I was watching the one I ended up uh, picking, it's kind of interesting. There, there does always seem to be some sort of a romantic component to coming of age. And I feel like that's one of those, like when you're choosing uh, a partner, when you're choosing somebody else to possibly love or possibly have a relationship with, that's that first time you're getting outside your family, you know, your comfort zone. It's somebody that doesn't, isn't required to reciprocate, <laughs> you know, yeah. back to you. And that's such a high, not a high, that's, it's such a potential, like high level of drama. Like, of course we're going to explore this as filmmakers. Like why, yeah. why wouldn't you? Like it's, it's so uh, deeply emotional. It's something that everybody can kind of resonate with that really, I don't know. It's, it's, it sucks that like, cause if you watch too many of these in a row, it ends up being like, oh, okay, here's the scene where blah, blah, here's the meat cute scene. Okay. Here's whatever, you know? And yeah you end up getting a little jaded to it. So maybe it's better that I only see these every so often and not, <laughs> not, not really, really regularly. Cause uh, some of the tropes um, that I was running across, I, I found it better because I did pick a foreign language one uh, to me. I, I found it differently because it, it didn't feel as cringy to me as it would have been if some of the dialogue was maybe in English. So yeah. Like that little like distancing barrier to it. But yeah, it's kind of interesting how it's, it's such, it's such universal kind of, I guess kind of teen angst in a way. Yeah. And a lot of these, because the coming of age is not usually characters in their forties. We're usually talking about, like you said, these filmmakers, like if you're doing your first feature film and you're in your like early twenties or mid twenties, that just happened to you. It's, it's right there. And it tends to be slightly autobiographical in quotes. And yeah, <laughs> that's sort of approach to it. The other element though, because we're focusing specifically on queer coming of age stories of, is there a coming out element to mm. the film? Yeah. Which I find interesting there's a great young adult book called Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, which was adapted into Love Simon the movie. Um, yeah. Nick Robertson, I believe, in the main character. Very interesting, you know, family friendly PG thirteen, you know, young adult coming of age story. And in it, though, he has this point about how, about I forget how he explains it exactly. So I may be messing up the terminology, but you know, when, when straight teenagers they don't come out to their parents as straight. Right. If you're not straight, you have to come out to your parent and this would be this big thing. And there's a sequence in the book, and I think it's in the movie as well, where it's a quick cut of, you know, of of, of straight teenagers coming out to their parents. Yeah. During their sexuality. And his point was, this is awkward. These are my parents, period. Like, 
it doesn't matter what orientation you are like it's your parents and it just feels weird yeah i, I remember that one was a pretty significant when it came out because it was that it was perceived as one of the more mainstream mm-hmm. coming of age uh, lgbt movies but but i think uh you know there's all always probably people who were like well actually hollywood's been doing that for a long time it's just right. like you know it maybe wasn't in the mainstream but uh but i remember that one getting so much attention and i actually you know i, th- I remember uh seeing it and th- thinking it was really charming at the time charming's a good word for it i think yeah it's because yeah. i mean it's adapted from young adult material so it really is about it's almost the uh, I mean, Sleepless in Seattle didn't start it, but my mind goes to that one. It's because like the main character is like, it's, oh, it's that love story with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. I'm like, no, they get together at the end. Like you don't see them yeah. together. And Love, Simon is a similar way where there's like a crush, but neither one of them know who that is because it's all been like text-based and email-based. Um, and then by the end, you're like, are they going to get together or not? I mean, you can kind of yeah. assume because <laughs> of the genre it yeah. is, but it's not like, um, it's not a functioning relationship necessarily. You know what I mean? It's aspirational because it's teenagers. Yeah. But is that something that factored into your deciding? Um, a lot of mine, I, I mean, I, I went all American, um, and, uh, I should have tried to go a little international, but, uh, (laughs) I got you covered. It's all right. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, but no, I mean, I didn't really have any specific, like it, it must have been like a coming of coming out movie, but, uh, there were some, like two of them that I watched, uh, Mm -hmm. were, kind of like things that have been on a queue for a long time or I should have seen for a long time, but just realized, Oh my God, I, you know, I actually never saw. And they tend to be in the, in the humorous vein, I would say Uh, like one of them is it's kind of like a dramedy. And then uh, one was kind of a recommendation from you. So uh, you know, you know, we'll get to that. All right. Well, no, hey, let's start with that one. Yeah. <laughs> what's, oh. uh, what's what's your, one of your honorable mentions here? Okay. Well, I mean, it is billed as a heterosexual movie, but uh, I, oh, I I know what you're I, talking I, about. I did see the Doom Generation, which yeah. is you know part of that new queer cinema, uh, and I, I I certainly consider it a coming of age movie. Uh, but uh, went to the uh, this the Cleveland Cinematheque to recent to watch it for the first time, uh, and I think seeing it with a, a pretty enthusiastic crowd was uh, probably the best way to see it. You know, I'm, I'm glad I didn't yeah. see it with like a dead fish crowd <laughs> or something, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, it, it comes from director Greg Araki, who is known for making, you know, these uh, kind of outlandish uh, genre, genre bending kind of um, queer films. And uh yeah. And this one, you know, it, it had so many lines. I think I had texted you after I saw it, but, you know, it just had so much memorable dialogue in it. And yeah. um, it's while it's, you know, maybe it is a heterosexual movie in quotes, you know, that I mean, there's there's a lot of overtones of, you know, like the two male characters who have kind of this attraction to each other. But no, I, I certainly thought it was a wild ride. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad that I that I went and <laughs> and saw it, and it's uh, you know, it's just one of those things that that I think I think maybe there was like uh, around that time was was such an explosion of indie film and mm-hmm. everything, and to have you know things that are 
pushing the boundaries more in regards to sexuality, uh, you know, and I think it, it, it really succeeds. And uh, I can see on the other side of the coin why some letterbox people or uh, IMDb people hate that movie. Yeah. But I, I was all for it. I was because it was just, it was so unique and, and wild. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. The, I, if you would have asked me, cause I hadn't seen the movie since probably like VHS days. And I like, I wore out my tape. I used like audio clips on my old mixtapes. I was sending to people. <laughs> it, it's weird. Cause the dialogue is very stilted and it's very, it's, it's not, naturalistic necessarily yeah like some of the dialogue it is a little awkward it, it's oh, like yeah you know especially rose mcgowan's deliveries at yeah. times <laughs> like i don't know like was she just not that good of an actress or is that what she was told how to deliver it but um but yeah i, I, I think it's how iraqi coached her to deliver the lines i i'm i'm guessing um i because like the next year she's doing scream right so like and before I think she did a movie before that and I, I'm drawing a blank now I didn't look her up ahead of time but he's directing them to act in a very specific way and if anybody's seen like the living end or totally fucked up like it's kind of his style yeah um and then having um the the two male characters if you would have just asked me going into it because I went up I think I saw it uh I saw the same weekend you did just not the same show unfortunately because I didn't have as many people in my crowd <laughs> <laughs> um I, if you would have asked me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, those two guys get together for sure. Because, like, there is, you know, I, get, I mean, maybe light spoilers for a 1995 movie. But, like, uh, there's, like, they're all three of them are in bed together by by the end. And yeah. And, like, no, I really thought the guys had more of a relationship than that. Like, it's so not 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 covert. It's not subtext at all. Like, it's right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> between those oh, two. yeah. But that's a, that is a interesting one. Also, just, like, the most time capsule, like, 90s soundtrack you could have. Oh, yeah. Hard rock and metal and and everything it's pretty interesting actually let's stick in 1995 for a minute because one of my honorable mentions is also from 1995 i saw this movie again um well that was actually right when i was starting that's right that was the fall i started film school so i was going down to the local two-screen art theater the neon movies in uh in dayton ohio so i saw doom generation at and then i also saw the incredibly true adventures of two girls in love ah from 1995 director maria magenti Magenti. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. Apologies. It's pretty much what the the title tells you. It's the incredibly true adventure of two girls in love. And <laughs> one of the reasons I picked it was it's available to stream now. It's on the Criterion channel currently. So if you're listening to this when it drops, um, it's available there. It gives me some hope, fingers crossed, that they will eventually put out a disc for it. Um, it's just the most, well, it's adorable, honestly. Like, it's just the most adorable at the time, I was like, these were my contemporaries because I think they're, it's two girls, uh, one of those like different sides of the track, you know, very different social and economic backgrounds that come together and they find themselves like falling for each other and developing a romance and having a relationship. And you get to see them do the meet cute and be awkward and first hold hands and first kiss. And you get to see like the whole like functioning relationship and then like the power and the strength that gives to each person. They come from different types of families as well. So, you know, one feels more comfortable maybe being out than the other one does. But like how you kind of have a combined strength with a relationship um, between both of you. And when you have yeah. somebody that's got your back, how important that is, especially at that age, too. And then now watching, I'm like, oh, God, those are my kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've aged up since 1995, obviously. Yeah. But I also I, so I picked it because it is easily accessible now, um, and I'm hoping that it will uh, it'll get a good like solid kind of retrospective uh, look back, uh, yeah. kind of disc maybe from Criterion in the long run. Because um, for the longest time it was 
just like some out of print, perennially like out of print, you know, quickie DVD that came out in the early 2000s or whatever. Um, but also I want to pick it because it has a, it, it's got a very specific, we're watching the relationship like start, grow and function. And I, yeah. like, I like that element to it. Yeah. And I, I should mention Doom Generation is on uh, Criterion Channel as well. Like all three of the movies in, in Greg Araki's, excuse me, in his trilogy are on Criterion. And the rumor is, is that there's going to be a box set yeah. that Criterion's put out. So, nice. so my, my other uh, honorable mention is a movie that um, it's probably on the smaller side of things. Okay. Uh, but uh, it, it came out a few years later in 1998 and it's called Edge of 17. So it's directed by um, a guy named David uh, Moriton, but it's written by Todd Stevens. Uh, and Todd Stevens is is known uh, to any of our Cleveland listeners. Yeah. Um, he, um, he just had a movie at the uh, Cleveland Film Festival uh, two years now called Swan Song. Um, and that is actually the third movie in his trilogy about <laughs> basically – living as a gay person in Sandusky, Ohio. Um, and uh, Edge of 17 uh, takes place in the 80s uh, where we we have like a fictionalized version of of Todd uh, growing up in, uh, you know, super conservative uh, Sandusky. It's really well made, uh, very, uh, you know, once again, kind of charming. Mm-hmm. It has funny moments. It has, you know, kind of poignant, sad moments. But uh, this one is it, it's a it's a real gem, and um, you know Todd of, of course, or he ended up like directing the other two movies of this. But uh, I think maybe because maybe he was first starting out, he didn't get the opportunity to direct this one. But this one is uh, like unofficially, you know, you would you would just categorize it as probably his, you know, his baby, his movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I mean. Uh, side note, like I, I did get to help a little bit. I had a small hand in helping out with, with Swan Song. So I wanted to give some Ohio love to to Todd Stevens uh, for this, who actually I saw just last night at the Cure concert. Uh, <laughs> so it was kind of cool to see him there because yeah. I, I think he's a he's a New Yorker or lives in New York, but uh, comes home to Ohio. So uh, but yeah, it, that, that one certainly. Um, you know, once again, on the smaller side of things, uh, like Strand Releasing put out a lot of these. Yeah. I think Strand Releasing basically specializes in putting out, uh, you know, LGBTQ films. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was something that came out probably smaller on the radar, but uh, it is pretty accessible out there on streaming. Yeah, I'm seeing it's free on Canopy right now. So if anybody wants to check that one out, it is out there. Uh, yeah, I think that was how Todd had described it as being kind of like it's. It was one of those like it's not really autobiographical, but it's autobiographical. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I may have some Cure on the soundtrack. Oh no, I don't know if they'd have the money for the Cure on the soundtrack. Yeah, who knows? I but, uh, I, I can't remember. It, it's been yeah. a while since I've watched it, but it, you know, I wanted to give that. Yes. That shout out. So that's his 1998 movie about 1984. Right. <laughs> Sandusky, Ohio. And then the middle one of the trilogy is called Gypsy 83, just Correct. to keep it even more confusing. <laughs> and then uh, follows it up with Swan Song, which is just one of the most effortlessly charming Udu Kier performances you'll ever yeah. watch. I mean, it, arguably you could say that is a coming of age movie, but of yeah. older life. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue with that categorization. At yeah. All. <laughs> 
Well, actually, we're kind of in a roundabout way, kind of on theme because I, I it's not nineteen ninety eight, but I my other honorable mention is from nineteen ninety nine. Ah, and also, well, actually, you're gonna help me out here. I'm still, I still, I feel like it has a Cleveland connection. I know she's been in town, the director, before for the festival, but it's uh, Jamie Babbitt's nineteen ninety nine. But I'm a cheerleader. Yes. Okay. Is there a Cleveland connection there, or was that just? Yeah, Jamie Babbitt is uh, is a uh, a San. Uh, I'm sorry, she grew up in Shaker Heights. Shaker Heights. Okay, interesting. She so. was in the same classes as David Wayne, um, I believe, and possibly Molly Shannon. I think they all went to Shaker Heights. Are you serious? Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's something in the water in Shaker Heights of like yeah. these talented people uh mostly comedians yeah yeah <laughs> but uh oh, wow like, that's yeah. crazy um that's that's kind of fascinating i i um, i was sorry i was immediately thinking like i was a theater geek all through high school and i was like <laughs> yeah, the theater department at shaker for a period <laughs> must have been really really fun hopefully it still is for folks there but yeah so but i'm a cheerleader is jimmy babbitt's uh feature film uh debut on this particular one uh she is a co-writer and director and it stars Natasha Leone for folks that are unfamiliar with the film. Natasha Leone, Clea Duvall's in there. Uh, RuPaul's around. Melanie Linsky for the current Yellow Jacket fans is yep. uh, is also around. And if you watch the trailer, you get, um, I think it's in the trailer. You also get um, little Michelle Williams. Yeah. Mix and Bud Court. Uh, <laughs> out there too. It's someone who's just like, how the hell did you get um, all of these folks for like your debut is just like this tiny little, like little, tiny budget movie um well not tiny budget it was about a million bucks but still like it wasn't um uh you know it wasn't like a big night i mean the 1990s the late 90s especially this is like after like american pie's been out the whole teen resurgence of like teen sex comedies is around and this one is uh is a fantastic example of that uh, natasha Lone plays megan the all-american girl she's a cheerleader she's got a boyfriend she's it's some of the grossest straight couple making out scenes you'll ever see in a movie at the beginning of this. Cause she is clearly like just going through the motions and his tongue is disgusting and all over her face. <laughs> me up. So she's like, she doesn't really like kissing her boyfriend too much. So she ends up by her conservative parents. They send her off for sexual redirection, um, which, you know, you, you get, you get dramas and you get even tragedies out of that type of a story. I'm thinking of like the book and film, the miseducation of Cameron post where like, you know, this is conversion therapy, but Babbitt is doing it with like such a tongue in cheek satire comedy kind of way that um, it it just takes the piss out of the whole like conversion <laughs> argument, all of it. Like it's it's just uh, I would say like riotous is the way like I would love to see this with a crowd. I've only seen it uh, with a few people or on my own. Um, I've only watched it a couple of times, but it's just one of those like just you'll be laughing out loud. Um, see it with a group of people. Um, start to finish it's a breezy like maybe 80 minutes like it is um it's boom 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 the pacing is spectacular the performances are just pitch perfect for what they're doing um and it's just charming uh throughout yeah. too. like it's just doing its thing um it's on tubi it's on criterion it's streaming on amazon like it's it's anywhere you're you're looking to stream a movie it is out there and uh it is a great great fun time well here we finally have some overlap because <gasps> that was my that was my I've never watched this until now pick for this episode. Oh, is your pick pick. Dear Lord, thank you for the abundance that you have provided. Please bless this food that we are about to eat. And Lord, please help us to obey the roles in life you set for us. 
Megan, we love you. And lately we've become concerned about certain behaviors. You don't even like to kiss me. It's true. You don't have any pictures of guys in your locker, just these. We're afraid you're being influenced by that. Honey, we think you're a lesbian. I work for a place called True Directions who help people like yourself learn to understand their homosexual tendencies. What tendencies? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Why don't you start by telling us the first time that you realized that you might be a lesbian? I'm not perverted. I get good grades. I go to church. I'm a cheerleader. All right. Well, what, you sat down. You watched for the first time. Were you uh, on your own? Did you have a group? Oh, yeah. I was. I was on my own. Okay. Um, when I watched, um, you know, I just I happened to stumble it on uh, on Criterion, and uh, no, I was. Uh, this is something that I feel like I should have. I should have seen by now because we've had Jamie Babbitt come and talk uh, for some events for the the film commission. Mm -hmm. She's certainly super involved with the, uh, with the film festival. I, I believe like I saw her name on the uh, you know, the slides before the movies that she's a a major sponsor of the uh, actually of the uh, David Ream award Um, for, for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with the film festival. Cleveland has always been super supportive of, LGBTQ films and they, they now have this award that they give to an emerging, um, you know, gay filmmaker and it's, uh, it's sponsored by Jamie Babbitt. So, um, but, uh, I've seen other Jamie's other work, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, but no, I, I was glad that I finally sat down and watched this and, and you're right. It, it, it does that. Uh, it, it almost feels like a John Waters movie a little bit. Um, Ooh, in which, yeah. you know, that it's like, yeah. it's kind of surreal, kind of, you know, it, it, it has like its point of view and mm-hmm. also it's really well designed. Uh, you know, like the, the production design is, you know, it's very colorful, uh, like, you know, very unique colors and yes, the, especially at the, the, the house that they, they all are at, um, for, for some reason, the, the name of the place is eluding me what it's called um because it's kind of funny but oh uh, true directions yeah true directions. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but but yeah i mean i i thought um i mean you can this was i believe the same year that natasha leone that i knew her was in american pie that, that's how i first saw her uh but i thought she's like efforts effortlessly charming in this movie mm-hmm. Clea Duvall, who uh, also in the film, um, I think the year before she was, I saw her in the uh, the faculty. Uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, you yeah. know, she also super great. Uh, just, it, and you're right. I mean, I I hate to kind of repeat everything that you're saying. Sorry, no, it's <laughs> it's your pick. No, no, I I like when we when we slightly overlap because it's it's it just shows we have good taste. I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like the cast is just is so stacked, and you're right. It, it does it flows like super quick, and I yeah I really like the scenes with with the parents like you know seeing um, Bud Court um and mink stole you know i mean maybe that's why i kind of got the john waters vibe oh there's a john yeah i was gonna say yeah you know but uh (laughs) them playing the parents i think was inspired casting and uh and and really it it is 
it it does keep the you know more in a hu- the humor tongue in cheek but you know it's really kind of in, in a lot of ways I, I thought it was kind of eye opening that there are people out there who think this way like who think that like they can convert people yeah. <laughs> uh, to to be straight uh, as as opposed to to gay and I uh, and sometimes it just makes me shake my head um, and I like that this movie kind of embrace you know especially with the uh, the ending spoiler alert I guess but it, you know it, it has kind of like a happy ending and it really just is all the message I think is all about being true to yourself and um, yeah. and that's you know I, I just thought uh, it was uh, it was really well done and I was shocked though when I was kind of just doing a little bit of anecdotal research was that it was initially kind of critically panned which um which oh, seems up. odd to me yeah but it's now considered a cult classic and uh I know last year there were a couple theaters it I know at least one theater locally and I think some others you know they did kind of like they just did like a 4K uh, restoration of it, and it was kind of making the rounds. And okay. I think now people are seeing it in a in a different light. I mean, th- there That's are certain movie. movies I think uh, from that time period, uh, the late '90s, uh, early 2000s, that were kind of critically drubbed. But then, in in hindsight, with like different eyes, people see things and they they tend yeah. to face them more. But but it it, it kind of does make me laugh sometimes of like some of our loved movies are, were like critically hated or something. You know? Right. Right. Or at least not celebrated the way they, they are with some retrospect here now. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you looked that up. I hadn't even thought about looking up to see what the critic response that was. I just remember like, yeah, it's hilarious. It's great. Like it's so insightful. Yeah. And if you are kind of familiar with a lot of the themes that Jimmy Babbitt's playing with there, like it's, it's biting satire, but almost at like a, um, I, I want to say like, naked gun level yeah not, not quite you know what i mean like it's 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 weird like for every like surface level easy joke there is there's also like a bit of satire or something that's either coming right up or is right underneath yes kind of the bed of that there i i kind of wondered though because you mentioned like the colors here like there's there's it, it's just it's popping with colors but then there's also like there's some rooms where I haven't seen this one in a minute, so you have to help me out with this. It's like she and Clea Duvall are like, are they taking care of a baby doll as if it's real? Yeah. Or something. I mean, like the entire, everything is pink. The wall's pink. The crib's pink. They're wearing pink. Like it's, it's clearly like just so in your face because it's, it's, it could look like maybe cheap production design. Yeah. But like it's there because like it's trying to reinforce like all these gender stereotypes. Like it's there for a reason. Yeah. And it's, that gives it an extra layer of like visual comedy, even if what's being said right at that moment isn't, um, the most comedic which actually just because we both had recently seen the doom generation the production design in the doom generation is very similar it's very expressive yeah. like the, at one point yeah. they're in a hotel room in the doom generation that's all black and white um uh checkered like even yeah. the lamp the phone the bread sheets the, like the, the wallpaper like everything is and you're like this is otherworldly i'm like yeah but they're choosing to do this for a reason just because you don't maybe yeah. like it doesn't mean it's bad yeah um and no, I really, I like also i think they share producers too so i don't know what that means oh right yeah. <laughs> what's in there um andrea sperling i think was the a lot of producers for the the queer new wave yeah i would and kudos i think as well to the to the costuming in uh i'm a cheerleader because there there's especially towards the end there's uh you know i don't want to once again spoil everything but uh, <laughs> there's the this 
just like these very interesting pink dresses that that they all kind of have at this, oh yeah at this end scene so uh but yeah i i i do highly recommend it and um you know, I, I always have to kind of rep the Ohio filmmakers in some ways. And, and Jamie Babbitt, certainly, uh, you know, she's a, uh, you know, a native, a native woman or <laughs> native daughter, I guess. Native daughter, that's the word, yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking here, too. It, the, uh, in 2005, the New York Musical Theater Festival featured a musical stage adaptation of But I'm a Cheerleader. That is ripe right there. Like, that yeah. needs to... <laughs> That needs to break out of just um, well, it was 2005, so it's a, it's forever ago. But uh, I want to see that uh, that musical staged because that's perfect. Like that would be a great yeah. stage musical if you can make what is it, SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical. I got yeah. stage, you can definitely do. Uh, I'm a cheerleader. I, I would definitely want to go for that one. I've seen here too that it was originally rated NC17 by the MPAA, and um, I know Jamie Babbitt's one of the ones featured in that Kirby Dick movie. This yeah. film is now rated and talking about how sexist and misogynist the MPAA can be when it comes to sexuality versus violence, but also um, anything that's not, you know, straight heteronormative sexual behavior yeah. threatened with like, you know, harsher ratings. And like, I can't, I, I hope she didn't make cuts. If she made cuts, I want to see an uncut version of this movie at some point. What? Yeah. I think I read on, on the wicked Wikipedia. I think it said like she had, she had to cut like a total of two seconds of something, but like, Oh God, one of those. Honestly, as like you're this watching movie. it, like okay, I I can see why it's rated R, sure, uh, you know because of the language and stuff. But like honestly, I it's pretty tame in in a sexual way. I think you know, like I, I mean, maybe I wasn't looking too closely. I don't. <laughs> but you're, well, you're not you know uh, an old uh, Christian conservative, possibly closeted yeah. guy on the MPAA uh, review <laughs> board. There, sorry, a little a little judgment, but picture this way: 1999, like you said already, with Natasha Leone. Also, the year American Pie comes out and gets yeah. an R rating, right? Like the guy's fucking a pie, and like, like yeah. it's all about like it's it's way more in your face, I think. Yeah, uh, that one. It's like yeah, it's R. Who cares? Like what? <laughs> okay, I see what we're doing here. It's mainstream, <laughs> right? 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 Yeah, they're all straight characters. Who cares? Right. <laughs> well, it's a little hypocritical, is all we're saying. But um, <laughs> sweet. Oh, I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you like that one. I I never thought of the John Waters comparisons, but I I think you're uh, you're right there. If you're a John Waters fan and you haven't seen, but I'm a cheerleader, or if you just want a great, great like satire level comedy and a, like a late '90s time capsule of like all kinds of stuff too. Yes, <laughs> it's really yes. fun. So what'd you end up picking? All right, so my pick, I went. Uh, I did go outside the borders of the United States, and uh, let's let's see how how similar we think. If you want something that's not afraid to explore sexuality in cinema, Mike, what what country would you look to for that? France. That's where I went. I went to France. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I true or not, it's a thing that happens. I would have said you know possibly some Italian or Spanish cinema maybe in there too. Yeah. But uh, I was like, I started looking around France and I did the similar thing. I went to my watch list and started sorting by country and poking around. And I, I debated at just 17. So I'm glad you included that one. And that got me thinking about the 80s. And there was a recent movie from 2020 directed by Francis Ozon uh, or Francois Ozon uh, called Summer of 85. Depuis ce matin, on va perdre du temps. On est tous mortels. 
Uh, played at the Cannes Film Festival eventually, because obviously Cannes Film Festival 2020 was a little uh, interrupted. Oh, yeah. Uh, and whatnot. So we've got Francis Ozon, uh, Francois, I think it's Francois. Francois Ozon, um, major, major French filmmaker. He's in his 50s now. So this would be somebody in their late 40s uh, directing this movie, presumably in 2019-ish. He also adapted it from a book called Dance on My Grave. Uh, Aiden Chambers is a, I think he's in the UK-based writer. It's based on a young adult novel that he wrote in 1982 or came out in 1982. And it was actually kind of heralded at the time for being like a very sex positive, queer look within the young adult world uh, of, of characters. And this one is really interesting and unique because it's not really a it's not an overt coming out story, but it's uh, the main character is Alex. He's 16. So it's one of those coming of age, discovering his sexuality. It's really yeah. it's a first love, um, I think, kind of story. So it's a little, actually, we were just mentioning Bud Court too. Interesting, interestingly enough, um, <laughs> it's a little bit like Harold and Maude style in the Harold element, where he's like obsessed with death, not in that comedic way, but yeah. this, this, this main character Alex is just fascinated by death, um, and so he is spending the summer of 1985 in Normandy, France. So like beach community, couldn't be more one of those like how I spent my summer vacation <laughs> kind of, you know, horrible creative writing essays you'd hear and like fall semester at college that you're like, Oh God, this kid wrote about a summer in, in Normandy. And I, a couple of things I want to mention here, like it's going to sound spoilery, but there's a framing device to this movie where okay. you already know something tragic has happened because Alex, I think he's working with one of his teachers and a judge and he's like kind of reflecting on the events of the summer and you know, it's not going to end well. So I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything since you get that pretty early on yeah. in, in the movie. So uh, it's 1985. Normandy, France, uh, you kind of have a beach community. He is out on some sort of a boat with like a kind of a small boat with like a sail that he pulls up. A few people could be on the boat, I guess. But anyway, he falls in and this guy, David, uh, an 18 year old, he swims out, rescues him. So he's, you know, saved and they start hanging out and they start, you know, like they really click. They uh, they love hanging out together. So they start a relationship and it's really intense for Alex because it's kind of like, you know, seems like it's like love, like, oh, my God, I'm in love. And. David reciprocates to a certain extent, uh, but David's also bisexual. So at some point he kind of gets bored ish with Alex. It, 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 it kind of develops like David's more into like the fresh, the, the, the newness is worn off. Okay. And it's not sticking around for him, but Alex is like, no, I'm, I'm still feeling this. Yeah. So David ends up, uh, he has a quick relation. He really sleeps, has an affair with, um, Alex's friend, Kate. Um, so that creates some tension and, Alex is not dealing with it too well. So he starts to confront David about it. They get into a fight. Uh, Alex has been working at David's family shop in Normandy and they're in the shop. He breaks a window. He just starts trashing the place and he, he heads out. Fuck you. But you know, he's an, he's a 16 year old throwing a tantrum cause he's emotionally overwhelmed yeah. and you know, doesn't have, you know, love anymore. He thinks in his life, David follows him on a motorcycle, but he crashes and dies. And so Alex now is feeling very guilty about that. And like, Oh my God, did I cause the death of this person I loved and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, and I mentioned that death fascination and also the title of the original title of the book, Dancing on My Grave, they made a pact, you know, like 16 year olds make weird packs sometimes, you know, <laughs> whoever dies first, the other person will go and dance on their grave. Like, you know, presumably, but not, not as a ha ha fuck you kind of act. It was more of like an act of like, Hey, I know beyond my lifetime, this thing's going to like as a connection sort of, I don't know. It's, it's a. French movie. It, it, they, 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 they deal in a way where you're like, it's kind of 
bittersweet and and charming and not charming. That's the wrong word, but you you see what I mean. Well, he gets arrested while doing that because you know you're blaring music and you're dancing on a grave. <laughs> um, so he gets charged with 140 hours of community service, uh, and he has a psychiatrist that's work with him, and that's where we get this framing device of kind of alternating scenes between their relationship uh, before David's death and scenes in the aftermath of the accident. So okay. it's yeah. it's not like a really like I said, it's not really spoiler because you 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 get kind of this not even framing device that implies like one here or one there. Like it's, it, it comes back and forth between timelines fairly often and in a really interesting way, but it's, it's, it's such a awesome summer hangout vibe when yeah. he and David are together. They're like, they're going to, uh, I think there's like scenes at a carnival. Um, they're just, they're out in like a beach, you know, resort community, just like having fun and being in love. And yeah. What a great way to spend your summer when you're 16 years old. I, you know, I, this was a movie, like I almost saw it, uh, it, it, I think it played at the Cinematheque maybe like last year or mm. year before. But now I, I remember just seeing the poster and I was like, "Hold on, 1985, yeah, age, like yes." Like, I think they're like on a motorcycle. Got one guy's got sunglasses on. They're just winding their hair, and you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Oh, they're going out to like clubs, so you get like to see what kind of a French, uh, 1980s French music and club scene is like. Uh, it's, it's just. <laughs> such a cool time capsule kind of piece or recreation, I guess. Heavy dose of 80s music. Like I said, the club scenes are really fun. It does have that interesting thing that I feel like one of the tones I was looking for in, in going outside of American films to see it was like how sexuality is treated. This one, who knows? Maybe they would have been like, oh, NC-17, it's not straight or you know, what? who knows how the MPA would have responded. But there's also the thing where like one character is 18 and one character is 16. Yeah. And I feel like an American version of that or a story there would be like, well, let's just make them both 17 and 16. You know, like they would have, oh, we got that that iffy 18 year old. I'm like, it's two years. They're children. Like whatever. Right. But um, I realize that that's not necessarily everybody's attitude. But the the U.S. film approach, I think, would have been like, we got to change some ages here. Or right. Something. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it, it could come off as. Like call me by your name vibes. of Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. had some thoughts about that. I'm like, can't we just watch a movie as art? And like, okay, okay, fine. Let's get through your yeah. hangups first. Now, can we talk about the movie <laughs> kind of thing? Um, I mean, obviously, I don't want to see a movie where there's like you know a 35 year old dating a 60. Like I, within reason here is what I'm talking about. Yeah, but it's not like it's not the deal in this movie that I think it would have been with my American eyes if it would have been an American film. And, yeah. I, and I and I dug it. It didn't get hung up on that. And also, there wasn't like can you help my, like I, this is the summer I was able to come out to my parents. It was kind of just like, let's, they're just, let's just jump in. Here's what we're doing. Here's the story. Let's, let's roll with it. Yeah. Um, And, uh, and I really dug it. And like I said, you know, the, the soundtracks, you know, American pop from the eighties is kind of did spread worldwide, but also it's not all American songs in there too. And you get, Oh, the eighties were kind of the eighties everywhere. (laughs) So our official watch challenge picks for queer coming of age are But I Am a Cheerleader from 1999 and Summer of 85 from 2020. Uh, Mike, what challenge have we got in front of us for next time? Our next challenge is going to be title sequences. So the those most memorable title sequences that suck you into the movie (laughs) indeed well if you'd like to suggest a topic or genre you'd like covered on a future show or have a title sequence you really want to point out to us uh watch challenge podcast at gmail.com or the links that are in the show notes and whatever device you're listening to this on right now 
Until next time, folks, rate and review the show in whatever podcast app you're using, and we'll see you with the next challenge.